Well, welcome everybody and Merry Christmas to you all. It is episode 9 of Nath's Pod. It is a Christmas Day pod. Obviously, I'm not actually recording this on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve because I am going to have some time off over Christmas. But uh, I really hope that Father Christmas or Santa or whoever it is uh, has bought you what you wanted for this Christmas, bought you the gifts, that you've had a lovely dinner, whatever you're having, turkey. Make sure I hope you've had your sprouts because they're very good for you. Remember those. Uh, and I hope you're having a great time with family and friends and, uh, yeah, just having great festivities wherever you are. So this is episode nine. And what I thought I would do today is look at um, change, because that seems to be in the air at the moment, doesn't it? It's a time of year where we get together with with maybe friends we haven't seen for a while and we reminisce and we remember those old times. Uh, and also going into the new year, we're thinking about what's happened in the past year, what's going to happen uh, in the next year, in the future. Um, and so it really feels like a good thing to chat about today, uh, about change. So let's jump straight into this. <clears throat> So we're remembering what we've uh, looked at recently about reading the Bible uh, with Jesus as the standard for what God is like uh, and using him and his life and his what he said as the the perfect revelation of God and then taking that to the rest of the Bible to kind of illuminate what the rest of the Bible is doing, what the stories are about, how they um how they relate with God and what God is trying to say through them. Um, I thought you would look at change. Uh, now in Mark two twenty two, Jesus says this. It's a very famous thing. It's a very famous verse, um, and it's about old and new wineskins. And it says this, verse twenty two, and no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is destroyed. And so are the skins. But new wine is for fresh wine skins. Now, I'm sure you've heard that before. If you've read any part of the Bible or been in church at all, you will have probably heard about new and old wine skins. And as I was younger and I was growing up, uh, I always used to kind of read this or hear this from the front and I would latch onto the words old and new. Uh, and you kind of just begin to assume that uh, it's about old people and young people, the new people coming into the church and all of those kind of things. And uh, and maybe that's because, you know, we tend to think of young people as bringing the new thing. They're going to bring the fresh thing. They're going to bring the, um, but older people are stuck in their ways and there's no way you, they're going to, you know, that old saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Uh, and we probably read a lot of that into it. And probably some of us still th think like that a bit. Um, and I know that I've been challenged recently about how I think about people who are aging and older people and, you know, uh, kind of they they still have something to give, right? Everybody has something to give right up to their last moment, right? And they're not meant to be uh, forgotten about. They're not meant to be, uh, just seen as like irrelevant because 
oh they've they've done their time and that's fine and you know even retirement seems like quite an odd thing doesn't it when you think about it that you would somehow retire from working that i'm not quite sure how that works i you know i don't know if that's really what i'd like to do maybe you just change what you're working at possibly but um but i think you always have something to contribute um and maybe we need to change the expectations that we have about uh, older people and begin to ex- expect more from them. And I think that would bring great life. Um, but anyway, so if, if, we're, if we're assuming that this is probably not about... <clears throat> if we're assuming that this is not about uh, how old you are uh, and what a, an age or anything like that, then what is Jesus talking about when he talks about old and new wineskins? So uh, we have two stories from the Bible today. One is from Acts and the other is about King David. Um, And we're going to start with King David. Now, before before I begin this, I would like to say that um, I don't believe God calls or tells people to kill others or uh, wipe out nations or completely destroy um, nations or tribes or people groups um, because I just don't see that in Jesus' life. I don't see him ever doing that or ever telling anyone to do that. So just to say, I don't think that God would ever say that to anyone to do that. But these stories that we're going to look at in David and what he does are in the Bible and they are rather bloody and troubling some of them Um, but that doesn't mean we can just skip over them okay they're part of the Bible so what we want to do is see what else they might be saying okay not just not just necessarily taking them at face value but reading them and saying well does this line up with Jesus no okay so what is what is someone trying to communicate what is God saying to me through this now for this time for my life and for the lives of people around me in how I move and am in this earth okay so we're going to look at the beginning and end of David's life so we're going to start with the story of David and Goliath But first, we're just going to do a little bit of background for the couple of chapters before that so we know where we are. So 1 Samuel chapter 15, uh, we find that God rejects Saul as king. He was the first king of Israel after they'd said, we want to we want to have a king Uh, because he didn't listen to what and he was he was God rejected Saul because he didn't listen to what God had said to him. Okay. Then we skip forward to 1 Samuel 16 and God tells Samuel that he's chosen someone else to be king. And in other parts of the Bible, it's someone who God says is after his own heart. And Samuel goes to uh, Jesse's house and says, bring out your sons uh, because, you know, one of them is going to be king. And they all come out and none of them are the right one. And he asks Jesse, are these all of your sons? And Jesse says, no, there's one in the field. And Samuel says, well, bring him. And he sees David and God says to him, this is the man who's going to be king. So David gets anointed king in Samuel 16. And then we get to 1 Samuel 17, which is 
the famous David and Goliath story, which has been, which you probably everybody knows about and is to, is one of the classic storytelling frameworks. Small guy, big guy, um, unlikely winner, all of that stuff. Uh, and so the Philistines and Israel are gathered for battle across a valley and the Philistines keep putting out their champion called Goliath. So he would, he would, he would come out and he would uh, challenge Israel to bring someone out to fight him. Uh, and the idea was that whoever wins the battle, they wouldn't, the idea was they wouldn't have to go to war. It's whoever wins that battle would be the ones who win the, whoever, so whoever wins that fight would be the ones who win the battle. And they would know that um, their God uh, has defeated the other side's god and so they would go on and then they would take all their possessions and all that kind of stuff so <clears throat> all the israeli the israel's armies are there uh, in front of uh, the philistines and they're hearing this stuff all the time now david turns up after his dad has said please take this bread and grain to your brothers and take this cheese to your commanders and he hears uh, that he hears Goliath taunting the Israelites and basically decides well this isn't on and says well who's going to fight him and they say have you seen the size of him and David says well I'll fight him then um, he tries on all sorts of things other you know the king's armor and things um, but decides he's not he doesn't he's not going to do that he's going to go with what he knows and he picks up the stones he runs to the battlefield with Goliath and he kills Goliath with one of his stones from the sling. He runs up to him, cuts his head off and takes it back to Jerusalem. And the Israelites chased the Philistines away and plundered their camp. So to recap that, 1 Samuel 15, God rejects Saul as king. 1 Samuel 16, uh, Samuel anoints David as king because David is the one God has chosen. 1 Samuel 17, David defeats Goliath uh, and cuts off his head, takes it back to Jerusalem. And then we get to 1 Samuel 18, uh, and this is verse 6, and it says this, As they were coming home, when David returned from striking down the Philistine, the women came out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul, with tambourines, with songs of joy, and with musical instruments. And the women, sa women sang to one another as they celebrated, Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. Okay, which rather rubs up Saul the wrong way. Uh, and so after this time, uh, David wins many, many more battles. Um, uh, he defeats the Philistines again in 1 Samuel 19. Then he defeats the... Geshurites, the Jerizzites, and the Amalekites in 1 Samuel 27, he defeats the Moabites later on, and Syria, and he he goes out and he defeats everybody, and finally um, unites Israel uh, as one nation under one ruler, under one king, which is him. Uh, and so that's kind of how he starts, and, and how he goes through his life is... Uh, unifying Israel and defeating every enemy they have, just completely destroying them most of the time. Uh, so that's the beginning of David's life. Starts with Goliath. 
and battles and war. And then we get, uh, we look at towards the end of David's life. Okay. Uh, and in 2 Samuel 7, it says this. It says, God gave David rest from his enemies for a time. And David said to Nathan the prophet that he wanted to build a, to build God a house or temple because it wasn't right that he was in a great house and God wasn't. At this time, God uh, and the Ark of the Covenant would have been in uh, the tabernacle, which is a, a tent, a rather nice tent, but a tent nonetheless, not a an actual brick building. Uh, and so David said, I want to build this for God. Uh, but God said David couldn't. And we hear David talking in 1 Chronicles 22 about what God said. So 1 Chronicles 22, this is verse 8, and it says this, But the word of the Lord came to me, saying, You have shed much blood and have waged great wars. You shall not build a house to my name, because you have shed so much blood before me on the earth. Behold, a son shall be born to you, he shall be a man of rest. I will give him rest from all his surrounding enemies, for his name shall be Solomon, and I will give peace and quiet to Israel in his days. He shall build a house for my name. He shall be my son, and I will be his father, and I will establish his royal throne in Israel forever. So there we go. So the start is Goliath, and the end is he's not able to build the temple. Okay, so let's move on to the second story. And this is in Acts. And so we go to Acts 1. And the disciples ask Jesus if the kingdom will be restored to Israel. Uh, and he says it's not for them to know the times or the seasons. And then he says in verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Okay, so this is where Jesus then ascends in a cloud up to heaven. And they wait for um, the Holy Spirit to fall. And they're in the room and tongues of fire and the Holy Spirit falls. And 3,000 come in to the uh, church in one day. And in the early part of the Acts, everything is going really well. You know, stuff is really rocking and rolling. And the church is truly going from glory to glory. That's definitely what, how you would see it and what you would say about it. And in fact, in Acts 4, verse 33 to 35, it says... And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and bought the proceeds of what was sold, and laid at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. So here we have no one in need, everybody is uh, being provided for, if you have a lot, you're you're giving what you're giving away what you have so that you have enough to live on, but you're being generous with the out the overflow of what you have. So no one is in need in this time. And then in Acts five, it took it verse 12. It talks about now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest there joined them, but the people held them in high esteem and more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. And then we go to Acts 6, 
and verse 7 says, And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So everything is going brilliantly. People are, there is no one in need within the, the church at that time. Uh, signs and wonders are being done. In fact, they're bringing people out onto the street so that Peter's shadow might pass over them. And there are even priests becoming obedient to uh, what the teachings of the church at that time. Uh, so they would be talking about what Jesus said and what they'd seen him do and kind of releasing this new thing into the earth. And following on from uh, verse 7 of uh, chapter 6, there's uh, verse 8, and we hear about a man called Stephen. And Stephen... It says, and Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Okay, so he's moving around. He's doing what the apostles are doing, signs, wonders, preaching the gospel, all of that good stuff. And then in Acts 7, Stephen, the man moving in power, preaches to the high priest and tells the whole story of Israel. People are challenging him on things and he begins to... um, tell about the story of Israel and what God has been doing, starting with Abraham and going through all the kind of heroes of, of the, uh, of the Hebrew Bible of the old Testament, including mentioning David and the temple. Uh, uh, and having heard what they said, what he said, they don't get it because he begins to tell them that they're doing it wrong and they don't like this. And it says they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And so they stoned him to death. And then Acts 8 begins like this. And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Okay. So it starts with Jesus talking about this is going to go out to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then in Act 8, a great persecution begins to happen against the church in Jerusalem. And they were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. So what do these stories tell us about um, change, about old and new wineskins and change? Well, let's look at David's story. So why couldn't David build the temple? Well, it says that he couldn't build the temple because he, there was too much blood on his hands and he was a man of war. Okay, so he couldn't build the temple at the end of his life because he was a man of war and there was too much blood on his hands. David's success, the very thing that launched him into his calling, was the exact same thing that stopped him fulfilling the dreams in his heart at the end. Okay, so let's think about this in terms of new and old wineskins. It's like David, David got set in his ways and he couldn't see that God might be doing something else. Now, part of that may be cultural. I understand that maybe, you know, obviously he's had quite a life of it and he's trying to he has a purpose on his life and he feels like he wants to unite Israel and he wants to be um, be the one to do that. And that's that's all good. But It's almost like he couldn't see that God might be even doing something even bigger and better than that. Okay, because when we go to Jesus, if we're using Jesus as the the standard by which we say this is God, then in Matthew 5, Jesus says, 
You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. So David had some kind of revelation of who God was. But it's like he couldn't imagine just how good he was. He was still stuck in his old ways. He 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 realized I'm good at war. I'm good at I'm good at defeating enemies and making Israel this great nation, which is a good thing. But it's like he forgot the fact that, you know, when God called Abraham, he said, you're going to be a blessing to every other nation. I'm going to bless you. It's like David could understand that he was being blessed because he was God. He was chosen by God. But it's like he couldn't understand that maybe that blessing is for him to give to other people. And I understand how hard that might be. But I truly think that nations can forgive nations and nations can can bless other nations. And it's easy to understand from an individual point of view. And it may be really hard for us to grasp. And it's still really hard for me to grasp. But I want to believe, and I do believe, that nations, that whole people groups, whole tribes, whole villages or towns can forgive other places. Whole nations can forgive other nations. Continents can forgive continents. And we want to try and get out of these these old ways of thinking that this is... This is an individual thing that maybe uh, forgiving people is individual, but actually maybe it could be even bigger than that, right? And the problem with like being the old wineskin, the problem for David here is that they're not, the wineskins get kind of um, old and rigid and it's like they're not supple enough, they're not flexible enough for for the new wine, right? They get into the, it's like they get set in the shape almost that they were carrying the wine in. And when the new thing comes, it bursts open. Uh, And we see this in all sorts of places, right? We see this uh, in people who are always looking back to the old way saying, we need to do it that way, how we used to do it, or this is, this is what I've always done. Uh, And almost nostalgically looking back on what we used to do and where we used to be and how we used to speak or talk or talk or however that looks, um, you know, and that's, that's good stuff because sometimes it's memories with friends and it's, you know, that, that we've, we've had and they're really funny times and it's, it's really great. Um, but we can't get trapped in the thinking that that's always how it's going to be. We, we don't want to get set in our ways so much that we can't be, that, we, that we're ones who can't hear the new thing. I don't want to be one that, that, just, that just carries on doing what I've always done because this is how we do it. I want to be one that does what we do, but always with an eye on, there's something else happening. I know there is. There's a better way of doing this. There's a better way of doing this. I always say uh, to my daughters before they go to bed, um, the last thing I say to them after we've prayed and I've blessed them is, um, remember that God is always bigger and better than anyone says, because I don't want them to settle on just my revelation. I don't want them to just settle on uh, what's gone before them. I want them to break into something new. 
you know. And actually, even thinking about the friends thing now, uh, where you've had those great fun times and those uh, all of that good stuff happening with friends, when you think about those times, they're actually things where you it's like you've been starting something new, you've tried something different. Those kind of amazing times, it's like you have... Uh, it's like, I'll oh, remember when you did this or you did that. I can't believe, or I can't believe you did that that time, you know. And it was someone doing something completely out of the blue and radical and no one was expecting it. But those are the times you remember. It's those new times where you step into something new, where someone does something different to what you expected. They, those are the times that you remember. Um, and we want to be those people, right? We want to be the ones that bring the new thing in. And it's nothing to do with age, it doesn't matter how old you are or uh, how many summers you've seen um, or how young you are. You, We want to bring the new thing because everybody has something to bring and everybody has something new to bring, right? It's, 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 the world is constantly moving and changing and we want to be ones that help bring that change and, and yeah, be a part of that. And let's not be fearful about it either right perfect love casts out fear and sometimes it's the fear the fear of the new the fear of the different the fear of standing out or looking stupid or something like that 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 stops you uh from 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 stepping into the new thing and you settle on what you've already experienced because you know what's you know how that goes you know that's already happened Right, so that's the so that's the David one. What about the Acts one here? So in in Acts one, Jesus has already said uh, that this is going to go out to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the of, of the earth, and everything going everything is going brilliantly for the church, brilliantly for the church before the stoning of Stephen. Um, and I had this thought when I realised this that maybe the church had got comfortable in what was happening in Jerusalem. They were having success and they were enjoying it. And this is one of the dangers where we've had success, like David, where he's had success. We think, oh, this is just what I've got to do. This is how it happens. This is um, this is me and this is what's going to make me successful and uh, help others. But it isn't always like that, is it? Right? Because you see in the Acts story, it was the persecution in the end that forced them out into Judea and Samaria, it says in, in Acts 8. And I wonder whether it's um, uh, this thing had to get out in some way and whether that was going to be through my choice in partnering with something new or whether it was going to come through difficulty and struggle. Maybe God saw that coming. Maybe he saw the persecution coming and he thought, I don't want them to experience that. And so Jesus said it needs to go out to these other places. And maybe they wouldn't have been persecuted. I don't know that we, we don't know that. But maybe maybe that's what happened. But but it feels like maybe they got a bit comfortable in what they were doing and the success they were having. And they decided to just stay where they were. And this is really hard for us because when we are successful, that's the hardest time to change. That's the hardest point in which to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to change this up because we like success 
and we like being good at what we do and we like being good at <laughs> what whatever it is um we like being good and we like being successful and we get recognized for that and we we probably enjoy the praise and the adulation that comes with it but it's it's you know it's good to be a partner with the change it's it and taking on that risk when it's going well you know let's do that let's be risk takers who decide to change something even when it might be looking like it's successful and it's going really well um we don't want to get comfortable in how we do things and how we do life um and then suddenly realize we're disconnected from or feel left behind from uh, the new thing that's happening. We want to be a part of it and we want to be celebrating what's happening. And so the question for us is, am I going to change or am I going to try and do the same thing over and over again and let everything else change around me and, and let that disconnection kind of come in and that we're going to struggle with that. Okay, because all of this is going somewhere. All of life is going somewhere. All of this is, I believe, is going from glory to glory. And am I going to move with it or am I going to fight against it? Am I going to move with it or am I going to fight against it? So as we go in into the into this Christmas season, and the new year, this is something for us to reflect on um, as we think about what's, what's happened and what's going to happen um, is am I open to the new thing that is beginning to happen now? Are my eyes open? Are my ears open? And can I imagine something new for the world or my life? I think that's a key part. Imagination. Can I imagine something new rather than just doing the same old, same old, even if it's just a small, a small change, just a tweak of something I do. Can I imagine that? And can I risk taking the chance? Can I step out and do that new thing and, and partner with the new thing that's happening as we push this world forward into bigger and better, uh, life (laughs) bigger and better can we love well can we love bigger and better than we have done because change is going to happen let's not get stuck in the old let's let's be ones who champion the new whatever that looks like and however that whatever that change looks like let's be let's be ones that do that and so i'd like to leave you with a blessing today So may we be people who don't get set in their ways. May we be people who are looking for and getting behind and being a part of the new thing. May we be people who don't immediately judge something because it's different, but look for the good things that are rising up, whatever they look like and wherever they happen. And may we all be new wineskins, accepting and moving with the new thing that love is doing in and through us. Well, thank you, everybody. It's been wonderful to speak to you on this Christmas day. Uh, The next one will be out on New Year's Day. So I will see you uh, next year, actually. 
is the next time you'll hear my voice. In fact, next decade in 2020. So I hope this has been good and you've enjoyed it. Remember, I love you all and I will see you next week.